You know that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere. Online, in store, on social media, and beyond. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in-line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash crimes, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash crimes to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash crimes. Good morning, and thanks for joining me for Rise in Crime, your morning caffeine hit all about crime. This is fun, right? I'm recording from the Binge Studios today while I visit Peyton and Garrett. Let's get you to an update out of Pittsburgh where the mistress of a wealthy dentist was sentenced to 17 years in prison for murder in this love triangle. Now, it all began back in September of 2016 when 61-year-old wealthy dentist Lawrence Rudolph, so I'm going to call him Larry for most of the episode, and his 56-year-old wife Bianca went on a hunting safari to Zambia. See, Larry and Bianca, they'd been married since both were in their 20s in the early 80s. And the couple had met while Larry was in dental school and Bianca was attending the University of Pittsburgh. Now, the two married when Bianca graduated and Larry set off at building his lucrative Three Rivers Dental Group that included five offices. Now, the practice specialized in sedation dentistry, helping those who are fearful of dental work to be relaxed and comfortable during their procedures. The two also built a family that included their son, Julian, and a daughter, Anna. Now, those who worked at the various offices, they didn't really know Bianca. She was not a fixture at the practices, and that led some employees to speculate that was because Larry was having an affair with his office manager, 65-year-old Lori Milliron. In fact, the affair was so open and understood because it had been going on for nearly 20 years. So maybe Lori and Larry were sharing the intimate moments of life together, but Larry and Bianca, they shared the love of big game hunting. Larry served for several years as the president of the Safari Club International, where he traveled the world to promote hunting. So that love of big game hunting is what led them to Zambia in 2016. See, Bianca was determined to add a leopard to her collection of animal trophies. And when the two set off on the safari into the Southern African nation, and specifically the Kafu National Park, that's the size of New Jersey, by the way, it's a huge national park. They carried with them two guns, a Remington rifle and a Browning 12-gauge shotgun. Now, the two-week trip was 
not successful in multiple ways for Bianca. Despite killing other animals, she did not bag her coveted leopard. And then, on the morning of their departing flight to return to America, Bianca suffered a fatal gunshot blast to the chest in her hunting cabin. Larry claimed that while he was in the bathroom, he heard the deadly gunshot and rushed to find his wife bleeding and dead on the floor. Now, in the first moments following the fatal gunshot, Larry told the hunting guide that his wife had committed suicide and that he wanted to die also if she wasn't going to be in his life. He was so distraught, he ran to a nearby river, threatening to jump in and drown himself. But that story quickly changed as the minutes ticked by. When investigators showed up, he told them a completely different story. He said that she must have accidentally shot herself while trying to pack the guns. But a couple of things didn't add up. Game scout Spencer Kakoma insisted to authorities that at the end of the hunt, the guns were emptied of their ammunition. And retired FBI Supervisory Special Agent James Gagliano told 48 Hours that the scenario painted by Larry just boggles the mind. He said two experienced hunters would not logically have this sort of accident. And the suspicions just continued to grow around Larry's story. While working through authorities in Zambia, Larry had his wife's body cremated just three days after her shotgun death. And this is how the FBI got involved in the case, because a friend who was stunned by Larry's actions and who also said religious beliefs would have certainly had Bianca opposed to cremation. Well, she called the FBI to file the complaint saying Larry was having a decades long affair and he was verbally abusive towards Bianca. According to 48 Hours, the complaint said the couple also fought over money. Well, sometimes angels exist here on earth. According to news reports, the consular chief wasn't buying what Larry was selling, and the chief had decades of experience with weapons because he was a former Marine. Because of the suspicious activity, the way the gun was found at the scene, the request for the quick cremation, well, the chief inspected Bianca's body, measuring the shotgun wound and also taking photos. And because he felt like the wound was too large for this to be an accidental shooting, he turned those measurements and photos over to the FBI. Now, when Larry returned to the States, employees of the dental practice said talk about Bianca's death just didn't happen. Employees lamented that Larry would be apt to throw temper tantrums when things just weren't going his way. And the tantrums happened so frequently, the employees referred to his outbursts as going Rudolph. And in no time at all, Lori and Larry, well, they moved in with each other, splitting time between Larry's Arizona and Pittsburgh homes, as well as spending time at a vacation home in Cabo San Lucas, Mexico. Now, during that time, one of the tests the FBI performed was to examine 15 women who were near Bianca's height and near her arm length. The women were instructed to try to zip the gun case and reach the trigger of the shotgun at the same time. And none of them were able to perform the task that had been reported that Bianca was doing at the time of her death. And even if any of the women could have performed the task, 
the discharge of the gun would have been a contact wound. Okay, so that's a wound where the muzzle of the gun is actually touching the skin. And investigators had already determined via the measurements of the wound that the gun that fired the deadly blast was almost three feet from Bianca's chest. Now, things did not move swiftly in the investigation. This was mostly due to working through two countries and the red tape that can slow any progress when doing that. In fact, it took over five years for Larry to finally be arrested on charges of murder in December of 2021. Now, Lori and Larry, they happened to be in Mexico when local authorities arrested Larry on murder, but they also arrested him on mail fraud. And that's weird, right? Mail mail fraud? But the mail fraud charge was because Larry had collected nearly $5 million of insurance money, and that money should have never been paid if Bianca was murdered by Larry. Larry's attorney scoffed at this notion, saying that Larry was worth millions and that the collection of $5 million spread over nine different policies wouldn't be worth murdering his wife. He also said that Love couldn't have been a motive for murder, claiming the affair with Lori was open and known by not just the office staff or by friends, but also by Bianca. So where do you hold this trial? Well, Denver, Colorado. And that's because one of the larger insurance policies was through a company there. And then how do you add pressure to the murder and fraud charges of Larry? Well, federal authorities also charged Lori with perjury for her testimony to the grand jury and also for being an accessory after the fact to murder. And then the trial carried forward in July of 2022. And did that trial have a few fireworks? One of them being that a witness at a Phoenix steakhouse allegedly overheard Larry yelling at his girlfriend, Lori, and he was saying, I killed my effing wife for you. Now, federal prosecutors also declared that Lori had given Larry an ultimatum before the hunting trip, insisting that it was finally time for him to divorce his wife. Larry's attorney, David Marcus, disputed the prosecution's theory, telling the jury that the couple had been in a happy marriage. He also claimed that both Larry and Bianca had extramarital affairs and that their happy marriage was built on the fact that they often traveled together for big game hunts, and they were also parents to two grown children. And it's important to note that those two children, well, they stood up in court to show their support for their father. Now, Larry's attorney also said that Larry didn't scream, I killed my effing wife for you in the restaurant. He says Larry actually said, they're saying I killed my effing wife for you. I don't know. We'll see. Well, after deliberating for a day and a half, the jury found Larry guilty on one count of murder and one count of mail fraud. Now, Larry was supposed to be sentenced in February of this year, and it still hasn't happened. Delays have stacked up time and time again, but he could face a maximum of life in prison for the murder charge and 20 years for the fraud charge. So what happened to Lori? Well, that's where this update happens. The same jury found Lori guilty of accessory to murder, and she was sentenced last week to 17 years in prison. Judge William J. Martinez told the defendant that evidence pointed to her encouraging the murder and that she appeared unrepentant and unmoved by graphic testimony and images presented during the trial. Lori must also pay back $250,000 for the lavish lifestyle that she lived during the years following the death. 
While awaiting the trial, Lori stayed at the Mountain Shadows Resort in Scottsdale, and during the trial, she used the dental practice credit card for deluxe accommodations at the Denver Ritz-Carlton, as well as running up expensive tabs at area restaurants. Her attorney, John Dill, called the sentence excessive, and he's vowing to appeal. So I'll be watching for the sentencing of Larry, and I'll let you know when I know. All right, I promised you that I would keep you updated about Brian Koberger, and here it is. Prosecutors plan to seek the death penalty in the quadruple homicide out of northern Idaho. Okay, remember, this is the case from the University of Idaho where four college students were brutally stabbed in their early morning hours in the middle of November in their off-campus housing. Now, the victims, Zana Kernodal, Ethan Chopin, Maddie Mogan, and Kaylee Gonsalves, were slaughtered in rapid succession, and then two roommates were left alive. And we've been waiting on the state to make a determination about whether they would seek the death penalty. And we now know they will. Prosecutors determined that Koberger has exhibited a propensity to commit murder, which then will probably constitute a continuing threat to society. The documents also list the murders as especially heinous. Now, this announcement comes days after Koberger's defense filed a document saying no DNA belonging to any of the victims was found in Koberger's car, apartment, or office. And the defense and prosecution are also fighting over the DNA evidence just in general. As I explained last week, original identification of Koberger's connection to the DNA on the knife sheath left at the scene came from collecting DNA evidence from Koberger's parents' garbage. And then they cross-checked that DNA with genetic genealogy. So think of sources like 23andMe and Ancestry.com. Now, prosecutors do not want to turn over the information developed by the FBI because they're citing that they want to protect Koberger's relatives' information. The process used through genetic genealogy will link multiple relatives to the quadruple homicide case. And as you can expect, the defense is frustrated with this withholding of evidence. They believe they are, in fact, entitled to it. Because of this back and forth, the defense is now claiming that the state is, quote, hiding its entire case. They also believe that they need the multiple DNA matches that were used to connect Koberger because they need to make sure the state didn't overlook any potential suspects. So that circles us back to the claim that the defense is making that no DNA belonging to any of the victims was found in Koberger's car, apartment, or office. Attorney Jay Weston Logston wrote in the court document that the investigation has provided precious little, claiming there is no connection between Koberger and the victims. So now if you're following this case closely, you're probably yelling right now about how the DNA isn't the only evidence in the case. Defense attorneys in their filings that claim the state has provided precious little evidence, well, they did not address the cell phone tower pings that placed Koberger near the scene on a dozen occasions prior to the homicides. And it is important to note that investigators did find other male DNA at the scene. They checked two other DNA samples against CODIS. Then a third sample was found on a glove outside of the apartment, and it was also checked against CODIS. 
Now, the back and forth will continue between the two sides as they argue about the grand jury revelations and also about the upcoming October 2nd trial date. I'll keep watching and I'll let you know more as the judge makes his rulings. And finally today, let's head over to Arizona, where another graduation celebration trip has turned deadly. This time, 18-year-old Parker League from Gretna, Nebraska, had traveled to the Phoenix area to visit friends and to enjoy the wilderness area of Bulldog Canyon in the Tonto National Forest. Now, Parker texted his brother Hunter on June 10th, and according to Hunter, it was clear Parker had a place to stay and that the trip was going well. That text exchange on the 10th was the last time family heard from Parker. He was scheduled to return home to Nebraska by June 12th, but he didn't show. Well, a local resident found Parker's body that day burning in a bonfire pit, but no one notified the family. And a few short days later, the family filed a missing persons report. And that's when authorities linked Parker's body with the concerns of the family back in Nebraska. But that's about it. Police are remaining tight-lipped about the investigation. Here, I'll read a portion of the statement from local police. Okay, here it goes. Only certain people know details of that crime, so they can't be released to protect the integrity of the investigation. We're working the investigation, and when we say that we have possible leads... That can be a good thing, or it can turn out to be nothing. But we work every avenue, every angle, especially with a crime like this in such a remote area. We also rely on physical evidence. And you're talking about the elements of where this was found a whole day after maybe. So we deal with a lot of different elements that we have to go through. But to say that we know who did this would be premature. Now, campers in the area have reported thefts and other criminal activity, and according to ABC 15, Hunter said he thinks that Parker might have specifically been targeted because of the expensive watch that he was wearing. Family members also discovered two unusual transactions while checking Parker's bank account. According to Hunter, it appears someone was using Parker's debit card to buy food and then also to pay their electric bill. Now, despite releasing limited information, the Maricopa Police Department is asking for the public's assistance. Anyone with information about the case is urged to call 602-876-TIPS, T-I-P-S. So let me say that one again, 602-876-TIPS. Well, that's your Thursday edition of Rise and Crime, brought to you from the Binge Studios. Thanks for joining me for these Rise and Crime updates. Check in with me on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. And you can join me again on Monday for more morning crime news. I'm Mama Jules, and keep safe out there.